Welcome to the Building Healthy Organizations podcast. We understand how the human brain works and how that impacts behavior in the workplace. I'm glad you joined us today for our continued journey to understand how to build a healthy organization. You may have noticed I make a statement in our introduction that says we know how the human brain works and how that impacts behavior in the workplace. I want to take some time and really dive into that today. I just spent a significant amount of time looking at the Gallup State of the Global Workplace Survey that came out, I believe, early July. Usually it comes out every year around the 1st of July. And when I saw the data in that survey, it really struck me as something we need to pay very, very close attention to. Um, So data is one thing. Getting information out of data is something else. I work with a group of IT consultants that are excellent at taking people's data and turning it into usable information. That's what I would like to do today for you as we look at the findings of this Gallup State of the Workplace or State of the Global Workplace 2021 survey. And I give them high marks for the good work that they put into that. Uh, The thing that caught me the most was how so much of the information was focused on how people are feeling. And we'll get into that more in a little bit. Let's start with the challenge. What is the challenge? There's an energy exchange that happens every day. When you wake up in the morning, when you get up and get ready to go, you have 100% of your energy to spend that day. Um, Now, some people's batteries are bigger than others, and we all know that. And there are some days when, when my battery isn't as fully charged as I would like it to be. But the reality is we have 100% of our battery life or energy to spend that day. The first thing that happens is that that energy goes internal to deal with any internal struggles or challenges or issues that we're facing. And what is left over is then available for other people. It's available for other efforts like work and and the job responsibilities. So we know that to be true. With the huge change that has happened in our world over the past 18 months, we have to consider how that is impacting the amount of energy that people have to put toward relationships, to put toward the work effort. And so the challenge really becomes, how do we free our people up as much as possible, which includes ourselves, by the way, to, to really have the most possible energy available for productive outcomes? And here's what we know. 
emotions can be drivers that can move things forward or they can be detractors that that throw up roadblocks and and get people stuck emotions of themselves are neither bad nor good and i know i have people argue that with me well fear is not a good emotion it is an excellent emotion if you've stepped off the curb into oncoming traffic and there's a very large truck coming at you at high speed fear can give you the energy and common sense to get out of the way so again the emotions themselves are neither good nor bad but what do they do they give you two things they give you energy and they give you information your brain is kicking in saying we need to do something here here's here's how i feel about it and let's you know it may be fight flight freeze uh, and in some cases appease uh, or it could be a more thoughtful approach where instead of just reacting we respond that's the deeper elements of emotional intelligence that we'll talk about more and more as we go through additional episodes today the challenge really comes down to how do we get the most energy pointed in the best direction and it has a huge impact if you think about where people are today and let me give you some of that information that comes out of that Gallup survey the first thing I want you to focus on the highest percentage now this is all in the context of people how they feel a lot of the time during the day when they're at work 50 now I'm speaking specifically today about the numbers in the United States and Canada this survey covers the entire globe and there's a great deal of information in this survey and I highly recommend you look at it as a matter of fact let me say it this way if you don't check it out you do it at your own risk especially if you're a leader or an owner in an organization here's why I say that in that survey just in the United States and Canada 57 percent of employees are feeling a significant amount of stress on a daily basis 57 percent 48 percent are feeling a significant amount of worry on a daily basis 26 percent are feeling sadness on a daily basis 22 percent are feeling a significant amount of anger on a daily basis now it's hard to tell from that data how much of that overlaps but i'm sure a lot of it does but bottom line 57 percent of employees are feeling stress in the workplace a significant amount of stress on a daily basis that is huge and here's what we know if that is a consistent burden that people are carrying they will the, their energy levels their ability to do their jobs 
will be significantly diminished. And by the way, these kinds of feelings are cumulative. The impact they have adds up over time. So if the issues are not resolved, then they just continue to build up. So let me ask you this question. Have you seen a, a diminished work effort? Have you seen people that seem to have lower levels of energy than they used to? All of those are critical. We haven't even gotten into the potential mental health aspects of what this kind of burden looks like, this emotional burden. But this is a very important focus for all of us to pay attention to. And again, I say, if, if you don't pay attention to this, if you don't figure out a way to, to help alleviate some of this burden people are feeling, and that may be as simple as better communication, it may be other types of support systems that can be put in place, this is, this is definitely a crossroads for all organizations right now. And if we want to build a healthy organization, this is mental health is a part of that. And well-being is a part of that. And balance in life is a part of that. You cannot separate the person, the individual, from the organization. They, they bring everything with them. A few years ago, I was asked to come in and help an organization change their culture. And we looked at where things were. We did an organizational diagnosis. I've done this with several organizations over the years. And one of the things that became apparent was anywhere there was toxicity coming from people, there was a significant emotional burden attached to that. And usually that emotional burden was not for the toxic person. It was for all of those people around them. And a lot of times those people are in leadership roles that really have an impact on the organization. So what we're going through today is different, but many ways it's the same. A high volume change type of environment, what I call rapid cycling change, where people are trying to find a, a, a normal, a new normal, but the reality is there's so many changes, so many things going on that they can't get their feet under them. They don't feel like they can find the anchor that they need or the solutions that they need or just some sense of normalcy that will allow them to move forward. We talked about these percentages, the data that was coming out of the Gallup State of the Global Workplace 2021 survey. And I think it's very important just to stop and look around at yourself and your organization. How true do those numbers ring for you personally? How true do they ring for your organization, for your team, for the people around you? If you see reality in that, in your situation, personally, in your team, in your organization, at any level, I mean, obviously, we would love to have those numbers significantly lower than that. 
But even if you only have 35 or 40 percent of people who feel stress, significant amounts of stress on a daily basis at work, that's three or four out of 10 people. That, that is a very significant number. So as we think about how we deal with this, the first thing we have to do is admit that it's a problem. We have to look at it in the face. Hiding from this will not help. I was sitting in a, with a group of, of owners the other day and we were talking about some business practices and and one of the things that came up was the hide your head in the sand syndrome and I've seen that with a lot of organizations over the years and and I made a statement that I've made before you know when you're when you stick your head in the sand it exposes other parts of your body which of course everybody laughed at they thought that was funny and and everything else but bottom line that is a that is a very difficult very backwards way of trying to solve this problem you can't hide from it it's only going to get bigger now i do have encouragement for you there are solutions to this there are ways that you can alleviate some of that emotional burden people are feeling and we're going to talk about those solutions here in a minute I think first we have to decide what's the goal? What do we shoot for here? Because so many people will say, oh my goodness, now we're getting into the warm fuzzy stuff and we're getting into the soft skills and all of that. I want to state something that I believe very firmly. When you call emotional intelligence or when you hear someone call emotional intelligence soft skills, I think that is a huge disservice to the the multiplying effect that emotional intelligence and the human dynamic can have on an organization, on the health of an organization. Uh, I think it's much better to call them human skills. And the reason people use certain labels and terms is because it tends to diminish the impact of something they don't understand and don't want to deal with. And I'm just being very forthright and honest about that. I get it all the time. Oh, those are soft skills. We we don't really, that's a nice to have. I'm telling you right now, emotional intelligence skills are no longer a nice to have skill set. They are a non-negotiable skill set. And when you hire people, when you train people, the beauty of emotional intelligence is we can measure those competencies and the levels that people are at in those, and we can train to those pretty easily. Uh, those are the skills that can be enhanced very quickly. So let's get to what the goals are. The goal is a healthy organization, right? That we all want robust, good health for our organization. But how do you do that? That's the real question. We've all heard terms like agility and resilience and and persistence and all of those things that, that you hear. The funny thing about those terms is they mean very different things to different people. So my definition of agility, 
when it comes to organizations is the ability to take advantage of opportunity with speed and efficiency. And I've said this before. So if that is the definition of agility, what's the definition of resilience? Well, a resilient organization starts with resilient people. People who feel good about themselves, who feel good about their place in the world, who feel like they have the resources they need to accomplish their goals, to to do the work that they do and do well. It's people who feel like they have a level of accomplishment, that they belong to something, that there is safety and security in that effort. These are the things that make up a healthy organization. And did you notice all of these things I'm talking about are emotional drivers? They're emotional feelings. I feel good about this. I feel confident about that. I know I can do a good job because others tell me there's great value in what I'm doing here. Value is, it can be a logical, rational outcome, but there's a lot of emotions in value itself. If someone values you as a friend, if they value you, are they talking about the money you give them? Are they talking about the food that you feed them when you're, you know, they're at your house? That's not what they're talking about. They're talking about how they feel in the relationship. Leaders need to know this because leading right now, I'm just going to call it leading through change. We have an amazing assessment that measures the ability for a leader to lead through change. And I cannot think of another time in my life when this has been as important as it is right now. How change embracing is someone? How much can they take change that comes their way and turn that to opportunity? There are many ways to look at change, but the two major ways to look at change are challenge or crisis or problem versus opportunity. I like to see change as opportunity. And granted, I may be one of those strange people out there that enjoys change. But I think in our world today, whether we like change or not, we have to be prepared to embrace change because that is the reality. Uh, there is no, there's no upside to trying to hide from change or trying to deny change. Now, can you guide the change process in the direction that you want it to go? Absolutely, you can definitely do that, but there will be change. So how do we build a healthy organization around things like agility and resilience and change embracing leadership and really empowering our people while at the same time reducing the emotional burden that they're feeling. And it really comes down to some very common sense things. Number one, communicate, communicate, communicate. That is so important right now. Even if it doesn't seem all that important, communicating is absolutely critical and do it in a way that is informative, that is uplifting, that is positive, 
move things forward in your communication. If you think you're communicating all the time, then communicate about five times more than that. And I know that sounds crazy, but right now people need that. Let's talk about what you're communicating. Remember that the vision, the mission, the values are still there in your organization. And those things more than ever before need to be a key component of your communication. Why? Because that's how people feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. I don't know if you've noticed this, but when people feel like, oh gosh, I guess there's nothing else other than a paycheck here, that's when you see a significant reduction in engagement levels. It's when you see people giving you 40-50% of their capacity. It's when you see them unfocused, not directed well. It's when you see a lot of these non-productive cycles that come up and happen. So you really have a choice. You can put the investment of time, energy, and resources into the things we know create healthy organizations. And a large part of that resides around what I call the human skills, leadership, um, emotional intelligence, communication, uh, creating a, a psychologically safe place where people can give and receive feedback without fear of retribution, without fear of losing their jobs. As a matter of fact, the healthiest organizations out there are those that have an excellent feedback process. And that starts with the ability for people to communicate uh, what's on their mind and do it in a safe environment. So when we look at the challenge ahead of us, your competitive advantage will rely very, very heavily on your people. They are your greatest asset. And whether you're a team member or an individual contributor or you're a leader or you're an owner of an organization, it doesn't matter what your role is. The reality of all of this is you have an impact on your organization. Everybody is a leader. You can lead as the janitor. You can lead as the CEO. But you have to choose to do that. How do you do it? You decide what your leadership style is going to be. You decide how you want to impact other people. And it's going to come from a place of personal preparedness. What do I mean by that? I think I've mentioned this in a previous episode. The reality is we only have the internal resources to meet a crisis, a challenge, or an opportunity that we have developed up to that point. You can't just go out and grab something off the shelf at the store for more internal resources. You have to build those, prepare those ahead of time. That's what I'm talking about. So let me ask you this question. Is it worth it for you to invest in yourself to become the best leader you can be, even if you're only leading yourself and maybe people that are close to you? 
is it worth it to invest the time, the energy, the resources into your leadership, into your ability to be change embracing, into your ability to be agile, to be resilient? What are the outcomes of that? They're, they're huge. You feel like you're living a balanced life. You feel good about what you're able to accomplish. You feel good about your relationships. You feel good about the way that you can impact others, that you can lead others in a positive way, that you can have a positive impact on the overall work effort. There are so many things that come out of that preparedness when you are working from a strong, confident place of knowing who you are and your place in the world and you create the rules you want to live your life by and out of all of that comes really strong, positive self-talk. When you can do those things, you can create the leadership that you want for yourself and for others and you can make a huge impact on this world. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. We do understand how the human brain works and how that impacts behavior in the workplace. I hope you'll join us for our next podcast and also check out our YouTube channel by the same name. And for more detailed information, feel free to visit our website, gscfit.com.